everyone. Welcome to Pink Shade with Aaron Martin, the podcast where we talk about all the shows we are addicted to, plus the reality stars we love, even when we're giving them the side eye. I have so much reality TV news and recaps and just total crazy bullshit to talk to you guys about today that I am going to launch right into it. And I'm just going to go on a ramble here. We're going to start with Love After Lockup. We're going to make our way through 90 Day Fiance News, Bachelor, Housewives, Vanderpump Rules, Married at First Sight. What am I forgetting? Oh, there's a new show coming out I want to talk to you about at the end. But anyway, oh my God, so much stuff. First of all, Love After Lockup. The finale was amazing. I just had a little Oprah ah, right there. Did you hear that? It was amazing. It was everything I wanted it to be because I was able to hate watch Andrea just as much as I wanted to and just as much as we all did. I mean, she was just so over the top obnoxious. I was able to continue my codependent savior complex with Scott. He's waiting for Lizzie, even if she's going to be locked up for another 12 years. He's paying the $14,000 for her legal fees. It's ridiculous. He needs a total intervention. He needs to go on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. A couple people have recommended this, and this is a perfect move. How can we make this happen? It, can we petition? Do You know, when, when we, you watch that show and the reboot is so good. I know some of you are watching it. It is so amazing. But I notice when people are on it, they're always nominated by someone. So could we, as a pink shade community of, I don't know, what are there, maybe a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred of us so far? Thank you for listening, you guys. Could we all band together and make this happen for Scott? Wouldn't that be amazing? And, you know, one of us could introduce him or maybe we could just write to his son and get his son to nominate him. I have big dreams here. I have big dreams for Scott. I want to get him out of this. If anyone can get through to him, it's the Queer Eye team. Because as you know, they don't just make you over on the outside. No, no. These fellas, they get to your heart. I want to make Jonathan the groomer guy on the show. I want to make him my bestie. Is he not just amazing? They all are. They're so gorgeous. They're so loving. They're so kind. And I mean, it just could not have been cast better. I was such a fan of the first Queer Eye. And with any reboot, you're always like, hmm, what am I going to think? Am I just going to constantly be comparing this crew to the old one? Am I going to miss Carson Kressley so badly that I can't handle it? No, they cast it perfectly. I cried the ugly cry the very first episode. That first episode, oh my God, was that not amazing TV? This is like the TV show we need in these dark times. It is such feel-good TV, but still kind of with fun snark and it, oh my God, it's just everything. I'm I'm not even doing it justice with my gushing here. But you know if you've seen it, how amazing it is. Anyway, back to Scott. He needs to go on there. Let's make that happen. Angela. She could go on the female version of this as well, but I don't have a whole lot of love for Angela like I do for our boy Scott. You know, I want him to get his fungal fingernails fixed. I want him to get the teeth whitening. I I want him to, you know, I want him to have like a, a new lease on life. Angela, she is just so batshit delusional and she's all over Twitter right now saying how 
She's so famous, she can't even come out of that trailer without the paparazzi following her. To the Walmart. Bitch, please. I think you'll be okay, Angela, getting to that Walmart to buy your next carton of Parliament Lights, otherwise known as P-Funks. And I think you'll be okay on your next stop at the bus stop yelling, Are y'all from prison? to random strangers, because that seems to be like your MO at this point. I don't think that Tony is ever going to be with you when he gets out. Listen to your friend, Brent, was her name Brenda? I think it was Brenda, of course it's Brenda. You know, she was saying to her, what, when I was in prison, I was leading on all these guys and then I got out and I just dumped them and I was hitchhiking on the road the next day. Yeah, exactly. I think Tony is actually already out of prison and he's just not telling her. Did he not look like he was out of prison when he FaceTimed her last time? I mean, he was wearing a baseball hat. Who wears a baseball hat in prison? Am I just out of it? I mean, Lizzie obviously was taking videos of herself. She takes her sexy selfies with her knee socks pulled all the way up and her prison uniform done up in some kind of lingerie, makeshift prison style, kind of short shorts and bustier made with bed sheets or some shit. I don't know, but you can apparently do a lot in prison that I had no idea you could do. Tony though, is he still in there? I don't know. I think he might just run cross the border and he's FaceTiming her from a burner phone somewhere. It just doesn't make sense. But then who's she sending the $200 to? I guess he is still in there. And why does he need $200 a month? What is he buying in there? How many hot Cheetos can you purchase from the commissary a month? $200 worth? Like what is there to buy? He's probably not getting, you know, like books on CD is that even a thing? I don't know what goes on. Again, I need to do major research on what you can buy in prison, what you can wear, what's happening, because this just all seems super scammy and fishy to me. Of course it is. We know Lizzie's a scammer. Tony seems like one too. He's not looking at Angela, who, who he is FaceTiming with now. It's not like he only saw that photoshopped picture and thinking, yeah, this is the woman for me. He's thinking, this is the woman who's gonna send me $200 a month, no questions asked. And when I tell her I'm released, she comes to pick me up and I can just tell her, oh, I got the wrong day, and she still sends me $200 a month. So, I don't know, it's just a sad tale. Now James, he's back in the Scott and Angela situation because he's gotta wait for Allah again. Is he waiting for her? I don't know. I'm waiting for the WeTV producers to get back to me because I wanted to interview James and he was all on board at the beginning of the season. We were trading messages back and forth. He was like, yes, yes, yes. I want to do an interview. I want to come on your podcast. The WeTV producer that I'm dealing with who represents him, I guess, was like, oh yeah, sounds good. And then just like ghosted me. So here's my theory. She listened to the podcast or she read one of my reality T recaps and she was like, uh... This bitch is not interviewing these cast members because I get a little snarky and I'm not going to apologize for that because we TV should know that when you put out a show like this, that's what you get. That's why you put out the show. Just like 90 Day Fiance, it has fans for a reason. And those reasons aren't always because we are learning something. It's because we are learning to snark on levels we didn't even know we could snark on. So it is bringing us joy. It brings me joy. So that kind of went bust. And now, though, you guys, Jana wants to come on the podcast. I announced this just this week on the Pink Shade Facebook group. I am really hopeful 
or at least I was hopeful. Because let me tell you the good news first. Jana really wants to talk. She has, we've been messaging back and forth. She's like, I totally want to come on. I want to spill everything. I want to tell my side of the story. I told her, girl, you know, I thought you were crazy. Uh, we're kind of rooting for you now. At least I am. And we understand that we weren't seeing the whole picture with Garrett. So we want your perspective. And she's like, done and done. She's like, I absolutely 100% want to. Here's my producer's name. I got in contact with her producer and gave her the whole spiel, told her, you know, who I am, what shows I can get her on, that I can do, I can write some recaps of it and get publications out there, talk about it on Jenny's show, etc. And haven't heard a peep back. So I think, I wonder, let me just put it this way. I don't think, I wonder if WeTV has put up a firewall for interviews on everybody. Because the beginning of the season, it started out as like a conversation, like, yeah, sounds good. And then all of a sudden, as the season progressed, it was like, we're going to pretend like we never talked. I'm talking about the producers here. Now, at the end of the season, they're just not even responding back, which is really interesting. Because you would think that they'd be responding if they were at all on board with their cast doing any kind of press. The last thing that gives me a really bad feeling is that Jonna and I traded messages after I got in touch with the producer and I just said, hey, you know, I reached out. I haven't heard anything. And she goes, well, I don't know what WeTV is doing because I have been approached by other people who want to interview me and I've said yes, but then when I give them the producer's information, I never hear another word. So I'm thinking that WeTV has put their cast on lockdown. Now, the good news is they haven't put them on lockdown on social media. And sometimes, you know, producers will even go as far as to do that, especially with these like two-bit characters on these new shows. Not that these characters are two-bit to us. They are just as big to us as a prominent show out there. Love After Lockup cast. If you're listening, we cannot get enough of you guys. But I wonder if they're going to keep, keep them pretty kind of like unfettered on social media? If so, here's my plan, guys. If I cannot get Jonna on, which I'm still committed to trying to do, I'm still going to harass who I need to harass to get this done, if possible. But if it's simply not possible and she she's not allowed to come on for whatever reason, I am going to see if I can trade interview questions with her via social media or something something like that, so she can answer a lot of our questions, which I will be asking you guys for on the Facebook page, so remember to join if you haven't yet, and maybe we can just get into like a prison letter writing, but on Instagram conversation with Jana. Why not? I mean, we won't hear her voice if it happens this way, but she really seems like hyped up to tell her side of things, and I am hyped up to listen to it, aren't you? I mean, God, there's so much shit that's gone down with she and Garrett. It's just like out of control. The pictures he's posting with this new girl, this natural or Nelly or whatever the hell her name is, are just so ridiculous. It's like, dude, just keep it on, keep it on the ZL at least for like a day after the finale airs. He's ridiculous. And he's also posting these hilarious cries for help on Instagram. These posts that read like, does anyone know of any male modeling jobs out there? And 
anybody know what I should do with my life now that love after lockup has ended? Like he's just thinking of this shit now. Even though this was filmed months ago and, you know, real life, this moment ended for him months ago. He waited till the finale to kind of question these things, which, you know, not that we were under any delusion that he was some kind of brainiac, but man, this guy is really slow. He is so slow. And Jonna, you know, maybe your dad can come on the podcast. Ooh, hey, Jonna's dad. Maybe he could come on and be your mouthpiece. And he could also give us, you know, the hard truth. His advice to Jana was so spot on about, the, you know, just wanting what she wanted when she wanted it and how it kind of came back to bite her in the butt. But maybe she'll learn from here and mature and get into a healthier relationship and not go trolling for people she knew in middle school who are now in prison. That would be a start. So cross your fingers, rub your lucky shower caps that we might get Jonna on, but if not, we are going to figure out a way to ask her the questions that we have because, oh God, do we have them. All right, moving on to 90 Day Fiance News. Um, you might have read that David's son, I'm talking about Ty David or Kentucky David, his son was shot in the face. He's okay, but it was a gun that went off when he and his friend were handling it, and his friend didn't know it was loaded, and it's just this really tragic and completely avoidable mistake that I'm sure they all have learned valuable lessons from, but unfortunately he was hurt, obviously, and he. the latest news is that he's going in for surgery to repair this. I don't know if it's plastic surgery. To tell you the truth, I read the headline, didn't read the article. I just saw David's son going in for surgery to repair the wound to his face. Um, so hopefully he's okay. Nicole, as you know, this is the big news this week. Well, there's two pieces of big news. First one is Nicole is in Morocco. She's in Morocco right now, and she is going to marry Azen. TLC cameras are there. Thank you, baby Jesus. We appreciate that TLC because if the cameras aren't there, it didn't fucking happen to me at least. They're following her. Nicole sadly dragged May with her. She was posting photos of her last day of Starbucks. Like I'm leaving for Morocco last day. If you saw Keith Brooks, who's that YouTuber gets all the scoops. He broke this news this past week and he mentioned that Nicole had planned on going to Morocco before Valentine's Day. That was the last scoop that I gave to you guys via him. But she waited because she wanted to get her $4,000 tax returned that she qualifies for because she makes so little money. She gets that earned income tax credit. Anyway, so she got that. She went over there, and I am sure that she will be handing over all of her TLC paychecks to Azen too. Now, the real question on everyone's mind is... What's Azen going to do with these other girlfriends? And why the fuck is he marrying this chick who he openly, openly hates? He wants nothing to do with her. He can't force her to go to the gym or eat healthy or be less annoying or stop body slamming him up against doorways. So what the hell is he doing? I thought he was, it was bad enough when he was going to human traffic himself to Florida to be with her, but I thought, well, maybe he wants to come over, then the next chapter of his game can unfold, because he is gaming her. But no, now she's going over there, 
he's got to marry her ass there and then they've got to wait on some other type of visa that they can apply for as a married couple to come back over to the U.S. Now there are theories out there that Azin's family really is pressuring him to make this move and I can get behind those theories because he doesn't seem all that interested in coming to the United States. At least he has said as much on his interview portions on 90 Day Fiance. I mean, he seems fine going to the gym over there, scamming multiple women across the planet, collecting paychecks from Starbucks in Florida to where did he have the other girlfriends? I think he had a girlfriend in Korea. Keith spilled this and somewhere else too. And meeting his friends at the cafes at night. I mean, he's not really interested in being married to Nicole, of all people. So is it because she's from the U.S.? And is it because of his family? I don't know. It is just so messed up. It is so jacked up. I, I have to see what happens at this wedding. I mean, this is Danielle and Muhammad 2 point fucking oh. It is only a matter of time before Azin tells her, it's Ramadan, I can't kiss you, I can't touch you, speed up to, you frauded me, I'm getting a white binder. Walmart Tom, you're on alert, you might be needed in this situation. Okay, the other piece of news is that Molly and Luis are officially divorcing. Now, we have been hearing about this for a couple of months, but the paperwork was just found that shows that proves that Molly did indeed file for divorce from Luis and that she is giving him no assets, no premarital assets. He doesn't have any rights to anything. There are reports surfacing that he's living in New York with his brother anyway. They haven't been living together for quite some time and that it's, I would assume it's just going to be a quickie divorce. I would also assume that Luis gets to stay here now but hopefully nowhere near those children and nowhere near Molly. And I want the best for Molly. I really do. As stupid as she acted throughout this whole situation, I think she deserves love. And I really hope she gets her act together for herself, for those girls. You know, this was just a total shit show and what a mistake to make. But she made it. Hopefully it's over. They can get divorced and move on. Another separation that may or may not have happened is between Jesse and Darcy. Yes, I mean the serial killer from Amsterdam and his little troll pocket person, Darcy. So you've probably heard by now that Darcy and her twin sister got into a physical fight and the police were called and I think Darcy was even charged or at least arrested. I don't know if she was charged with anything. And that Jesse responded on Instagram as he often does publicly, he loves to do these things publicly, and said in response to Jesse, or to Jesse, to Darcy getting arrested for domestic abuse. I'm like, okay, I don't think that's what domestic abuse is. But anyway, in response to her getting arrested for domestic battery or abuse, I just have to tell you, I know nothing because we're not together anymore. And he went on to say some other dumb shit. But what? Okay, stop the presses. Because I know from what I've read that the inside scoop is here's who's going to be on 90 Day Fiance. Everybody listen up. 90 Day Fiance. I'm talking the regular 90 Day Fiance this season. It's going to be Nicole and Azin. It's going to be McLarry and Jenny. It's going to be Paul and Karini and Jesse and Darcy. 
Cameras were supposed to be filming all four of those couples for regular 90 Day Fiance, and then I would assume we'd get two, maybe even three more new ones before the 90 days, 90 days happily ever after, and then 90 Day Fiance, what now? I don't know who the hell's going to be on those shows. You know it's going to be just golden casting, though, because these producers can do no wrong in my eyes anymore. They are just amazing. And remember, they brought us love after lockup, and they know how to scour the planet and find these mother truckers. I don't know how they do it. They just have a sixth sense for this thing. Anyway, Jesse and Darcy are supposed to be on 90 Day Fiance, which means you're headed to the altar, even though for Nicole and Azen, who have appeared in multiple seasons now, that hasn't been the case. They're the exception. Most of the time, it ends in a wedding. So did Jesse just blow up their game on social media? Did he just violate his NDA with the producers? It's interesting. I don't know, but he is, he is not the smartest person in the world. So I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Another person I don't know what the hell he's doing is Ari on The Bachelor. I have not liked this dude since day one. And I fully admitted that I had jumped back into Bachelor Nation after being absent from it for quite some time. And jumping back in this season, some people are saying it's like one of the worst seasons ever, but it just reminds me of all the reasons I'm not a huge fan of this show because it is so hard to watch and think at all in any realm that any of this would happen, especially with a dude like Ari. I mean, who is going to sign up to marry this guy after knowing this particular man for two months? He is the most selfish person on the planet. He is telling everyone he loves them just freely. I love you. I love you. And they're believing him. It's the end now. So he's doing this, leading everyone on. We know if you know, have read any of the spoilers out there that he does some really bad shit at the end. I won't say what it is on here in case you're like, the slim percentage of people out there who haven't, you know, gone to the spoiler pages and looked. I have. I know what happens. But that's not even what has colored my opinion of him throughout. It has just been who he is. And I'm not saying, oh, he's old, he's boring. I joked about that in my blogs and stuff. But what it's really about for me is he is, he has zero personality, number one. Number two he uses women just as placeholders. And number three, he is not interested in another human besides himself. He doesn't ask these women anything. And when they start to talk about themselves, he just grabs them and kisses them and tells them he just likes to speak in platitudes and cliches. You did so good. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, I love that about you. Yeah, this is awesome. Look at that building. Isn't that cool? Let's enjoy this sunset. I mean, he is like someone from the cast of Clueless. He has the most limited vocabulary I've ever heard any Bachelor have, including the dolts that we've seen over the seasons who like are, you know, just like moments away from slipping back into caveman behavior. But he comes off as wanting to like seem polished. And it's like, oh, he's that creepy guy who wants people to think he's a good guy, but he's really the worst of all underneath. I don't know. My, my opinions on him are so strong. And I'm wondering what 
is it about him that truly gets to me? Maybe it's his, maybe it's what I perceive as him being like super fake. Because even like the outright douchebags, I don't get this mad at. I think it's because he doesn't want people to think he's a douchebag. Maybe that's it. I gotta psychoanalyze myself with this because Ari, he just rubs me the wrong way. Ari sucks donkey balls, full stop. Okay, Real Housewives of New York. Luann did a cabaret show recently with Sonia and it was such a shit show and so cringeworthy and so awesomely bad. You have to check it out. Go online and just type in Luann Delaseps Cabaret and you're going to get some videos and you're welcome. I'm totally hoping cameras will be rolling on this soon. I just wrote a really fun article for Reality Tea about the top 10 reasons why Real Housewives of New York is going to be like off the chain this season. So I'm hoping that gets published soon. Take a look at that when it comes out probably in the next week or so. It, there are so many things going on with this cast. It's going to be amazing. Um, a not amazing cast right now is Atlanta. The Real Housewives of Atlanta are dropping like flies. Portia just left Spain before she got locked up abroad for hitting Marlo because she was like three seconds away from cutting a bitch. Was she not when they were yelling at each other in that outdoor or that like farmer's market space and they're all eating? And Marlo was tempting fate. I mean, she was trying to get a reaction out of her. So good for Portia for noting that and for holding herself back. But Portia is not a girl who knows how to use her words. So I guess we're supposed to be proud of her for at least walking away. The fact that she is actually leaving the trip though is just so pathetic. I mean, this cast is imploding. It's a totally different kind of implosion than OC went through this year because that was just ridiculously bad. But this is giving me OC vibes in that the cast is not playing ball. They're not playing ball like New York does. They're not playing ball like Atlanta does usually. This makes me so mad when I see this. You know, Kenya and Kim not going on the trip. I'm not going to go over that again, but you guys know it's a whole mess that nobody's talking about. And then Portia leaving the trip and then leaving these like side players like Marlo, who maybe she's going to replace Kenya because she is, she could be a great housewife. But then the really side players like Shamia and Eva. And then, you know, you've got the heavy hitters like Nini, but she's surrounded then by Candy and Cynthia and who am I forgetting? Sheree. You need the other women there. This is just ridiculous. I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed to see this imploding. The Housewives needs a reboot. Just like Queer Eye. You can do it. I mean, maybe they need to go on Netflix. Maybe Bravo needs to just like 86 this whole franchise. Put it on Netflix. Give it a reboot. But something's got to give. With Beverly Hills, it's not imploding on the same level as OC and now Atlanta are. I think it's still... It still rides high on the glam. You know, the glam squads, as much as we make fun of them, I tweeted out this week that, yeah, we make fun of them, but it's like, we all kind of want one too. I mean, so they do still have that aspirational lifestyle and their money is just so, it's just so fun to watch them throwing around their money, for me at least. I still need a little bit more from them though. I'm liking Teddy. I like that she's the voice of reason. She's kind of like the Greek chorus of normal people out there, you know, calling them out on being weird, which they are. 
and acting uppity, which they do, and Lisa Vanderpump not apologizing. So I like her for that. But the jury is still out. I don't know if she has what it takes to come back for another season. I don't know if she is going to bring something a little bit more to the table in terms of her own personal life. I mean, pers this is just me personally, being a child who grew up in the 80s and 90s, I need John Cougar Mellencamp to come on the screen. I mean, you cannot come on a show saying you're the daughter of an icon, at least in my book, Jack and Diane, and not bring that guy on. They, they've only alluded to him once about when her husband met him and he was so nervous. I'm like, yeah, that's me. And that's like a million other viewers too. So let's see him. Come on. I want to see him coming on with his cigarette. I want, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing if John Cougar Mellencamp, I know he doesn't use the Cougar anymore, John Mellencamp, if he came on and just like faced off with Erica or just one of these hoity-toity bitches, it would be so epic. Speaking of face-offs, I really liked the moment where Bethany and Lisa Vanderpump faced off in Kyle's store. And it wasn't necessarily even the, the overall moment was anything huge because it really wasn't. I just love what it represented. It's kind of like when superheroes cross over in an Avengers movie or something. It's like the two HBICs from opposite coasts meet in a store and you just see their styles conflict completely. It's like Bethany comes in there with her quick one-liners, talking so fast, your head is spinning, you, you know, just talking at you, being, you know, borderline so rude. And then LVP doing the passive-aggressive, polite Beverly Hills you know, her special brand of English Beverly Hills move where she's just, oh, darling, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, kind of like sniper from the side shit. It was just kind of a beautiful superhero housewives moment for me. And I really love seeing stuff like that. I also like that Erica and Bethany are sort of on the same team now. And I would love to see more scenes with the two of them together because I think Bethany would hilariously call Erica out on being a caricature now. I mean, her even keeping a straight face while Erica was like, I'm writing a book about my philosophy was hilarious. And I don't know, I think they could make kind of a dream team and Bethany could bring Erica back down to earth and Erica could maybe do the same to Bethany because underneath it all, Erica is, she's still that waitress, you know? She's putting on all of these crazy airs this season. But what I originally liked about her was her, like Bethany, her one-liners. It's like if she can be brought back down to earth, if Bethany can be brought down to earth, that would be amazing TV. I don't know, maybe they can do some kind of like housewives road trip. I propose an amazing race housewives edition that I still think would be the best TV ever. But mixing up teams to do cross-city teams. So it would be like a Bethany and Erica on one team. And like an LVP and Ramona on another team. Nini and Vicky Gunvalson. I mean, would that not be a show worth watching? Amazing Race, Housewives Edition, Crossover Cities. If any producer happens to be listening to this <laughs> somewhere out there, call me. This show... If it happens, we'll have viewers. I will be one of them, and I know many, many people who would be viewers too, even if we would tell no one about it. 
because we would live in shame of our reality TV addiction. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to Vanderpump Rules because it was fucking comedy gold this week. Jack's almost drowned in a lake, period. I can't stop laughing in my head thinking about the moment where he's out there and then he comes back and says, I cheated death. I cheated death. And the producers, I salute you. I give you a slow clap with two snaps to the side because them doing that montage of everyone who screamed at Jax and told him they hate him and they never want to see them see him again as he's his life is flashing in front of his eyes was just the shadiest, funniest, bitchiest move ever. And I loved every moment of it. It's like they were stockpiling that footage just for this moment of Jax's near-death experience in four feet of water. Let's be honest here. I mean, how, how near death was he? He was just like totally hungover and him trying to run and then swim and then rob the golden boy who Sheena could not shut the hell up about, almost having to save him and then paddle boarding out to him. I just could I just could not even handle the hilarity of that whole scene. I love that there was a lifeguard there too. I've heard I've heard kind of chatter about this. Have you guys heard this? There's a lifeguard on duty because Bravo cameras were there. Because normally there wouldn't be a lifeguard on private property, but because they were filming on the water, production had a lifeguard there. That's why when Jax was like, yeah, you could, uh, yeah, you could come and help me if you want to. And the lifeguard's like, is he serious? Like, is this dude serious? Like, should I help him? And Jax finally like starts completely freaking out. Like, yeah, come help me. Help. The lifeguard finally helps him because he was just like being paid his daily rate just to like hang out and make sure these drunk assholes don't die. Well, and then of course, Jax, the one drunk asshole who will die in the water totally calls on him for help. This guy did not think he was going to have to work that day. That could be the funniest part of the entire scene, actually. The fact that the random lifeguard, who was probably like sent in from the local EMT crew, had to save stupid 37-year-old Jax. I died. You know what I loved about Jax this episode, though, was... It's like that moment when someone that you're criticizing and judging and you kind of hate, they hate someone who you hate more. And so all of a sudden, you're sort of on their team. That was Jax for me this episode because I love Jax hating Sheena. As much as I want to hate on Jax, I love when he hates on Sheena. My the low the lows that I can go to with these reality stars has no bounds. I mean, I will switch teams immediately if they have some good snark. And that was Jax for me this episode. Him calling her out for being just a total superficial, obnoxious, wretched asshole. Talking about Rob hanging the TV in seven minutes. Rob can walk on water, which he practically had to do to save dumb Jacks. It was just amazing, and it was everything I needed it to be. I also absolutely loved when Jax was swimming out to that buoy, and Rob's like, yo, I would chill at the buoy for a moment, and uh, I don't know about that. And Jax is like, I'm fine. And then James is paddleboarding by or something, and he's like, you're killing the game, bro. Yeah, Jax. It's like the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas future. It's like, Rob represents like all that Jax will never be and James is Jax before he became Jax and they're 
They're both yelling things to him like warning and no, go for it. And then there's real Jack swimming out. It was just like a huge Charles Dickens moment. It was like a Vanderpump Rules metaphor. Everything I need the show to be, it was this week. Sheena thinking she's a housewife, thinking that Rob is in love with her when we know real time that he completely dumped her. And I loved that the whole place was basically an Airbnb that Rob rents out at the end so Sheena made the ball clean it. Um, why this guy, if he has so much money, wouldn't have the money to just hire a cleaning service is beyond me unless Sheena just wanted to act like wifey, which I wouldn't put it past her. But do you ever remember her taking care of her own junkie apartment with her actual husband, Shay, as well as she wanted to take care of like the temperature of the hot tub and making sure the windows were wiped down and her fake husband, Rob's? That was ridiculous. I mean, I recall her sitting in those home theater seats with Shay eating Taco Bell and drinking bug juice on the regular. I don't remember her being like this stellar wife, so I don't know what she is trying to pull with this. And I was also, I was thinking back on just when Vanderpump Rules was a kind of a different show. It's really gone into the just theatrical, crazy other world. Like we're in the upside down of Vanderpump Rules now. Like there are no, there are no real stakes anymore. Like, do you remember when Jax would cheat on someone and then they dump him? Like how novel is that? Like never going to happen now. He could just do whatever he wants. Or when... Katie and Tom and Kristen and the other Tom were, you know, they'd hang out and not talk about being fake business people when they just knew they were waiters and waitresses. And they still are, but they actually think they're killing the game, bro, as James would say. I don't know. It's just really funny to me watching the evolution of these kids because they're not kids anymore, but they kind of are. You know, they're stunted in a way. And James is the most stunted of all, but of course he really is still a young kid, just like Lala is. Her boyfriend, by the way, that producer boyfriend of hers, I'm fucking forgetting his name right now, but I looked him up and I'm sure you guys have too, if you've done even the shallowest deep dive on this. He is so gross. I don't say that lightly. I mean, he's like, to me, like almost PK gross and ugh. I can understand why James is mocking him every chance he gets, although I think James is an immature loser. I think he's really funny. Probably like Jax. It's like, I hate these guys. I think they need help, but they're great TV. Okay, let's move on to Married at First Sight because this week continued the themes that last week's show kind of changed the game on. It hinged on Jeff D really like doing a 180, right? I mean, all of a sudden, he is this guy who's trying. He is, you know, he had this magic sex with Shawnee's and everything changed. He wants to be close to her. He wants to do things for her. He's laughing at her jokes. They're cuddly. It's like, I don't know if she has the magic cooch or what, but it turned around immediately after they had sex. And he's claiming now that he was sleeping on the floor and trying to stay away from her because he didn't want to have sex too soon. But his whole demeanor has changed. It is not just about the sex, you know, period, full stop. It's like 
he was emotionally shut off from her before too. He's like the chick in this relationship, like where the sex has emotionally connected him. Whereas Shanice, you know, she was trying to connect to him in a fun way before, emotionally before, even without the sex. It's just really interesting. Their, their journey is the most shocking to me of all of them. I love Shanice's rented stripper pole with the plastic firefighter costume even though that looked like a yeast infection waiting to happen. But it was fun. And then the Three Dozen Roses move that Jeff D. pulled after Shawnee's told him that was her fantasy. I thought that was pretty baller. I, I don't know. He took a roller skating. And you guys, I am a roller skating lover. I was the South Central PA limbo champion in grade school. Yes, I got free tickets to the roller rink every single time I skated. Mm-hmm. I also was a big fan of the dice game. Do you guys remember that? Did they have that where you grew up? Total 80s kid with these references, but I remember the, my best times were in roller rinks. So I I loved that whole date. I, I just love their story right now. And I never predicted that anything good was going to happen. I feel like doom is on the horizon for them based on some previews we've seen, but I'm kind of rooting for them now. And like I said last week, I'm still kind of rooting for John over Molly. Something else I didn't predict. I don't understand what's happening here other than the basic, she's just not that into him. But she refuses to come right out and say it. She just wants to string him along for the experiment. And by the way, I don't blame her for not being that into him. That's fine. I mean, I would not be into him either. But she is not telling him that. And he kind of forced her to that through a really juvenile way of picking that fight with her and then going below the belt, talking about her past sexual experiences. He knows that she just doesn't like him in that way, but he is trying to still justify it about like, you know, but you say you're attracted, but you're not attracted enough. And he's like trying to come up with any other reason than She's just not that into him and she's just not. And I wish she would just be fucking honest with him right now. I'm mad at her for not admitting that. I mean, as douchey as this guy is, oh my gosh, you guys, I was kind of feeling bad for him when he like dressed up in a suit. I know his ass is unemployed and he's dressing up in the suit and he is just fronting, but he did put in an effort. He cooked the meal or bought the meal and heated it up. I don't know. And I don't know, he's just putting in like a minimal effort here. Her with that weird red wig on, I don't know. I don't get her. I don't get her except for the fact that me getting her is going to call her fake, I guess. That's that's the only way I get her. If she's just being fake and she's just trying to maybe protect his feelings, but she's not protecting his feelings. She's like an Ari in this situation, but instead of gushing love, in a fake way, she's withholding it and claiming it will come. It's not. It's not going to come. For Ryan and Jacqueline, I still think they have the best chance of making it. Although, two things this week. One, Ryan's, quote, passion is paintball. All I have to say to that is, I don't even know. Are you in seventh grade? And... That might be the saddest thing I've ever heard. That's, wait, no, it's not the saddest thing I heard this week on reality TV. The saddest thing, I'll back up to Vanderpump Rules, was when Katie told Tom Schwartz, oh, that's so sweet, you hired a mariachi band for me at 
a restaurant where the cheesy mariachi band is complimentary with the cheesy chips and salsa. So that was the saddest thing I'd ever heard. This is the second saddest thing. Paintball is his passion. And I speak as someone who is a golf widow in the summers. I mean, I have someone who I'm married to who considers things his passion that I consider torture, like absolute torture. I would never want to do it one time for even five minutes. So yeah, you can have different passions, but fucking paintball. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. I also, second thing though, for this show, Ryan and Jacqueline, did we have to see his nipples with the sparse hair under the, what were they, suspenders? Like like he was supposed to be a sexy construction worker when they were doing their fantasy role play. Uh, I, no, I don't think we were, we should have been subjected to that. I mean, have we not suffered enough? Anyway, we had to, we all got through it. I, you know, I'm virtually giving you guys a hug and solidarity if you made it through that. And you're on the other side now. We're safe. We can get in our safe space. We don't have to look at that anymore if we don't want to. Erase it off your DVR. Erase it from your mind. Okay, so before I end this, I'm going to tell you about a new show coming up on CMT Thursday night. I haven't watched it yet because I'm going to be dropping this on Friday and I'm just wrapping this up on Thursday night, actually. It's from the creators of Laguna Beach and the Hills and it's called Music City. It's about young people, <laughs> young people, everybody's young to me now, looking for their big break in Nashville. It looks just like Laguna Beach and the Hills in terms of lighting, in terms of fake soft scripting. The music looks good. The people are gorgeous. They're well lit from every angle. It's basically the opposite of like the grungy 90 Day Fiance look. But I'll be hate watching every minute of it. I've heard good things and I'm in for now. I'm in until further notice. So watch along with me if you are so inclined or if you just miss the good old days of fake reality TV that was the hills and Laguna Beach and just for pretty people on our screen. Look for um, some more podcasts for me dropping next week, one or two, depending on if I can score that interview I'm going to keep you updated about the Jonna thing. I'm really crossing my fingers about this. And I got to tell you, update, I took a break while I was recording this and came back to my computer and I saw that the Real Housewives of New Jersey, I'm sorry, Real Housewives of New York trailer just dropped. Season 10 trailer just dropped and I watched it before I continued on. It looks amazing. It's everything I needed to be. And my article, Top 10 Reasons Why This Season's Going to Be Epic, is on Reality Tea right now. Take a look at that and follow me at Erin Leah Martin on Instagram and Twitter. Join the Pink Shade with Erin Martin Facebook group. If you're interested in getting a Pink Shade water bottle, I've been doing giveaways every week. Thank you to those of you who have participated. They're, they're all in the mail at this point, but if you want to just buy one, just um, DM me at any of my social medias and it'll be $15. I figured out the pricing with shipping. That includes shipping, uh, which is about $4, so about $11 is the price to recoup what it took for me to order them, and I just love sending them out to you guys. You guys carry them around in different parts of the country, or maybe do I have an international listener out there? 
can mail it internationally too. I can, I can even figure that out. Skills, baby. So just send me a message and I'll get it to you. Remember to leave me a review on iTunes if you're enjoying the podcast. I appreciate it so much. And take a look in the coming week for some new pieces I'll have on 22 Words, a top 15 survivor ranking because Survivor came out this week and I'm watching, and a Jersey Shore piece. Where are they now? I looked up everybody's going-ons, and I'm giving you the truth about what's happening in their lives. It's kind of fun. Some of them have changed a lot. Some of them haven't changed at all. I cannot wait until Jersey Shore Family Reunion. Or wait, Family Vacation, I think it's called. It just got renewed for season two, and it's not even out yet. I am so two feet in with that. So nostalgic for it. All right, guys, that's all I have today. Thanks for listening to the ramble. This truly was a ramble. So I appreciate it. Love you. And I'll see you in reality.